0: lovely wife, got married, had kids, trained as a registered nurse, um, uh, which I believe God was also calling me to from being 12, and um, got on with building a career and a family. However, God has, over the years, kept prodding and poking, and as he does, this is my world for you. <laughs> Get on with it. And over the last four or five years, I've been getting on with it. And so opportunities that I'm offered to to lead worship, to preach, um, I take as a God-given opportunity. Um, I've started doing some theological training. My master plan is to, having worked long enough in the NHS to be able to take a pension next year and reach the ripe old age of um, that age, uh, to be able to take a pension next year at 55, um, to take my pension and to start full-time theological training, um, with a view to seeing what God has in store once I've been trained. Inverted commas. Um, but um, um, as I say, I've, uh, I've known Catherine for a long time, <laughs> and uh, Dave for less. But um, and now, uh, John, my wife, and I have also got a son, Richard who, praise God, is walking with the Lord and uh, is in very much evangelism, evangelistic ministry in his own way, shall we say. So let's let's go to the Lord's Word. So Matthew, I'm reading from the message um, because I think it illuminates things sometimes. Rather now, reading God's Word in a different version often brings different... Illuminations to us. So, uh, Matthew 24:36 to 44. But the exact day and hour, no one knows that. Not even the heaven's angels. Not even the Son. Only the Father knows. The arrival of the Son of Man will take place in times like Noah's. Before the great flood, everyone was carrying on as usual. Having a good time right up to the day Noah boarded the ark. They knew nothing until the flood hit and swept everything away. The Son of Man's arrival will be exactly like that. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken and one left behind. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left behind. So, Stay awake, alert. You have no idea what day your master will show up. But you do know this, you know that if the homeowner had known what time of night the burglar would arrive, he would have been there with his dog to prevent the break-in. So be, be vigilant just like that. You have no idea when the Son of Man is going to show up. And our second reading from Romans 13 verses 11 to 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all, that, all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. But get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger waiting until the last minute. But dress yourselves in Christ. Be up and about. Get on with it. Almost, isn't it? I also bring greetings for our, from our home church, which is Ashford Baptist Church in, well, depends on who you talk to, Middlesex. Sorry. It's there anyway. Um, similar church to, to Basingstoke in, in worship, in theology. Um, and um, smaller number these days. But greetings from, from there too. Let's just pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I seem to have gathered a frog from singing too heartily. Thank you. So today we're going to be thinking about our readings from Matthew 24 and Romans 13. I'm going to use several illustrations um, to enable us to explore three points. No one knows. Are you ready? Get ready. Okay. So our first point is up on screen already. No one knows, Matthew 24:36. no one knows the hour of the day, nor even the messengers in heaven, not even the Son, only the Father knows. Our reading tells us clearly that nobody knows when Jesus is returning to take us home. This is repeated in in Mark chapter 13, verses 32 to 37. But the exact day and hour, no one knows that, not even the angels, not even the Son, only the Father. So keep sharp, look out, for, for you don't know the timetable. It's like a man who takes a trip, leaving home and putting his servants in charge. Each assigned a task and commanding the gatekeeper to stand watch. So stay at your post watching, you've no idea when the homeowner is returning or whether it's evening, midnight, cock crow or morning you don't want him showing up unannounced with you asleep on the job so I say to you and I'm saying it to all stay at your post and keep watch 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1 to 3 says it in this way, I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming can't be posted on calendars. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we've we've made it. We've got it made and now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman, says, says Thessalonians, says Paul. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, over the years, there have been many people who have attempted to make predictions as to when Jesus would return. The earliest I could find were three theologians um, very early on, called Epoclitus of Rome, Sextus Julius Africanus, and Irenaeus. Um, And they suggested that Jesus would return In the year 500. Well, they were wrong, weren't they? Um, One prediction was based on the dimensions of Noah's Ark. But more recently, in 2008, Mark Blitz started um, teaching that Christ's return would correspond to the lunar eclipse in September 2015. His idea, known as Blood Moon Prophecy, and haven't we recently had a Blood Moon Eclipse... God's timing, you see, it's amazing. Att- att- attracted attention from a number of people, including USA Today. Still more predictions of the future um, by a physicist. And Now then, you'll have to help me with this one. An intelligent design advocate. I still haven't been able to work out what that is. Uh, but he couldn't have been that intelligent because he predicted that um, Christ would come in 2057. Well, we're not quite there yet, but we know already that Christ is not going to tell anyone because he doesn't know when he will return. There's a story of a a Louisiana game warden told who'd been tracking um, a famous Cajun poacher called Baudreau. Late one night, he stumbled upon the, the criminal's cabin and climbing up onto the roof the game warden waited until dawn, hoping to jump the poacher as he emerged from his, his lair. The gamekeeper had a had fitful night of trying to keep quiet, but he heard him about making his breakfast in the morning. The smell of bacon frying, mm, the smell of coffee brewing, became such a temptation to his stomach. Then, to his surprise, Boudreaux came to the door and said, "'Hey, gamekeeper, you best come down "'and have some breakfast with me.' "'Over breakfast, the game warden asked "'how the wily Cajun poacher knew that he was there "'waiting on the roof to jump him. "'And Boudreaux grinned and said, "'Well, actually, I didn't know that you were there. "'I do this every morning, "'because at some point you will be.' So I wonder, we're called not to be looking for Jesus' return. Of course, there are things that we can see happening in the world that point towards a possible soon return of Christ. It's, it's written about in scriptures, um, all the way through scripture. But I wonder, are you looking? Are you holding on to some misunderstanding of knowing when Christ will return? Jesus is very clear. We don't know. So let's not waste our time. There's other things we need to be getting on with. The second second thing from our our readings is, uh, are you ready? Matthew 24 and verse 44. So you must be ready because you know the Son of Man will come. But you can't know precisely when. 1 Corinthians 16 13 exhorts us, exhorts us to be on the alert, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, whatever that means, and be strong. We also see the parable in Matthew 25 of the ten virgins five who were ready, and five who had a plan to buy oil when they get there, <laughs> when the bridegroom arrives but they weren't ready. A story is told of a superintendent of a large Christian school. He was concerned about the array he found, sorry, the disarray he found in so many classrooms that he visited. Papers were strewn on the floor and the student's desk was surrounded by clutter. Feeling strongly that learning couldn't take place in such an untidy environment, he decided to take action. He chose one classroom for an experiment. He introduced himself to the students and with a smile made this proposition. Your teacher, principals and I provide a well-equipped classroom for you to enjoy, but we need your help in keeping your desks and classroom orderly. Many of you have crumpled papers inside your desks with books left open and pages bent, Often, there are pencils on the floor under the desks, along with other debris. I'd like each of you to clear out your desk today and begin this school year resolving to keep it clean. One day I'll return and inspect your desks, and the person with the neatest desk will be given this. And he had in his hand a $100 bill. I'm not going to tell you which day it will be. It'll be a surprise. Not even your teacher or the principal will know when I'm coming. The children squealed with excitement and began immediately pulling things from their desks, filling the trash baskets and crump- with crumpled paper, stacking books neatly inside their desks and neatly lining up their pencils and their pens. And every morning for the first week, every student checked his desk or her desk to make sure it was in perfect condition, confident that today would be the day the superintendent would return. The next week, a few boys grew a bit weary of this exercise and returned to their former habits. By the third week, several students started remarking, I doubt if he'll come back at all. He just said it to make us keep our desks tidy. After two months, no one in the classroom bothered to inspect their desks, and in fact forgot the superintendent's promise, except for one girl. Dutifully, she inspected her desk every morning, several times a day, making sure that things were just right, in proper order. For months she was teased by the other students. She's not coming back. Why do you keep looking for him? You look stupid believing that promise anyway. Still she remained quiet, kept her desk in perfect condition and waited. Near the end of the school year, there was a knock on the door and the superintendent entered. Entered.
1: Quickly the students flung
0: open their desks and began frantically to clean them but the superintendent held up his hand and said, Stop! And all the students were asked to stand beside their desks and stand to attention while the superintendent inspected each desk in turn. One after another, he rejected the desk. That's no good. One boy tried giving excuses But to no avail. Another blamed the teacher. It's his fault for not reminding us. Another one blamed the superintendent. You left it so long before you came back. And finally, the superintendent arrived at the desk of the little girl who confidently displayed her desk well kept while beaming at the superintendent. After inspecting the desk, he took her by the hand to the front of the classroom and awarded her the $100 bill. Boys and girls, he said kindly, this little girl never stopped believing that I would return. So she kept her desk in perfect order. She didn't need to worry about the day or even what time of day I'd return because she was always ready there's a fable which tells of three apprentice devils who were coming to the earth to finish their apprenticeship they were talking to Satan and the the chief of the devils about their plans to tempt and to ruin people on earth the first said I'll tell them there's no God Satan said well that won't delude many So they know there's a God. The second said, I'll tell them there's no hell. And and Satan answered, well, that won't deceive many either, because people know there's a hell for sin. The third one said, I'll tell them there's no hurry, load of time, plenty of time. Go, said Satan, you will ruin men by the thousands. He said, the most dangerous delusion of all is that there's plenty of time. I wonder, are you ready for his return? Are you confident that Jesus will take you home to be with him in heaven? More on that later. Our third point this morning is get ready. Get out of bed, get dressed, don't Loiter or linger, waiting till the last minute. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. Or as another version says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. C.S. Lewis says, a Christian is not one who never goes wrong, but one who is enabled to Repent. And begin over again after each stumble because of the inner workings of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I find that I have to repent most days because of stuff that I've thought or done. Colleagues that I've thought, mm, not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Warren Weersby, a Christian commentator, tells about a Frontier Town. With a ho- where a horse bolted and ran away, with a wagon carrying a little boy. Seeing the child in danger, a young man risked his life to catch the horse and stop the wagon. The child who was saved grew up to become a lawless man. And one day he stood before a judge to be sentenced for a serious crime. The child who was saved sorry, was, grew, up, grew up to be lawless. The prisoner, as he went into court, recognised the judge as the man who years ago had saved him. So he, he started pleading for mercy on the basis of his previous experience. But the words from the bench silenced his plea. Young man, then I was your saviour. Today I'm your judge and I must sentence you to hang. One day Jesus will say to rebellious sinners, during that long day of grace, I was your saviour. The offer was there. And I would have forgiven you. But today I'm your judge. I wonder... Are you making yourself ready for Jesus' return daily seeking Jesus and his forgiveness for your sins? Even as Christians we sin regularly. A rural homemaker, Faye Hinchford, who lived a generation ago, wrote these lines which really capture the spirit of Jesus' teaching about the coming day. Sometimes when everything goes wrong, When days are short and nights are long, when wash day brings a dull sky that not a single thing will dry, and when the kitchen chimney smokes and when there's none so old as folk, I would say so queer as folk, but let's stick to what Faye says. When friends deplore my faded youth and the baby cuts another tooth. While John the baby last but one clings round my skirts till day is done and fat good-natured Jane is glum and the butcher's man forgets to come. Sometimes I say on days like these I get a sudden gleam of bliss. Not on sunny days of ease will he come but on days like these. I wonder do our lives reflect an expectancy that will come at a moment, that we don't think he will come. Most importantly, I wonder whether you've made a personal decision to trust in what Jesus has done for you, for me, for everyone. Have you sought forgiveness from the true, one true God? Does your heart cry, even so, come Lord Jesus, quickly, come. God's word tells us a whole load of things about our state. It says that all have come short of God's glory, that we've all sinned and the wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, life with Jesus. In John's Gospel, there are two famous verses, aren't they? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, or his one and only son in some versions. Yeah. So that whoever, and that includes all of us, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And again, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. I wonder how many of you remember watching the Peanuts cartoon. Yeah? There's a few of us. That's alright then. (laughs) Sometimes we want to change, but we can't always help ourselves. And, And several years ago, there was a Peanuts comic strip that Lucy and Charlie Brown were practising football. I presume American football, as it's an American programme. Uh, Lucy would hold the ball for Charlie, Charlie's place-kicking practice, and Charlie would kick the ball. Seems fairly simple, doesn't it? Um, but every time Lucy had ever held the ball for Charlie, he would approach the ball and kick with all his might, and just at the point of no return... Lucy would pick the ball up, and he'd end up on his backside. Yeah? Every time. The strip on this occasion opened with Lucy holding the ball, but Charlie Brown saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going to kick the ball. I'm not going to kick the ball. And Lucy begging with all her might, come on, let me, let's play. Let me help you learn and get good at kicking the ball. But Charlie said, every time... I try to kick the ball, you move it. And I fall flat on my fa- flat on my back. They went back and forth for the longest time and finally Lucy broke down in tears and admitted, Charlie Brown, I've been terrible to you over the years. I, rec- I can hear Annabella doing this to Mummy and Daddy and to Gramps too and sometimes Gran. I've been terrible to you all this time picking up the ball and running away with it. I've played so many cruel tricks on you. But I've seen the error of my ways. Won't you give a poor, penitent girl another chance? And Charlie Brown was moved by her display of grief and responded to her. Of course, I'll give you another chance. And he stepped back as she held the ball in place and he ran as heartily as he could. And at the last moment... She picked the ball up and he fell flat on his back. Lucy's last words. Recognising your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things, Charlie Brown. You can almost remember her saying that, can't you? I wonder, are you going to change your ways? (laughs) Lucy saw her fault but was unwilling To change her ways. What about you? Are you ready to repent and change your ways? Are you ready to confess your faults to Christ and allow him to cleanse you so that you're prepared for when he comes again to take you home, to be with him, to that feast, to get those questions, Christian fellows and and, uh, brothers and sisters, that you've always wanted to know the answer to? Yeah? Yeah? I've got lots of questions for for Paul. Yeah? Yeah? I wonder, if you knew that tomorrow was your last day on earth, how would you live differently? How would we live differently? You need to ask yourself that question. I wonder whether you would be gracious to me and whether you would close your eyes and drop your head for me. Everyone. Everyone. I'm going to ask you a series of questions for you to consider as we conclude. If you knew that this was your last day on earth, how would you respond to this invitation to commit your life to God or to renew your commitment to God? If you knew that this was your last day on earth, Would you confess the hidden sins that you thought you got away with? If you knew that this was your last day on earth, would you still hold a grudge against your brother, or sister, or neighbor, or work colleague, or even church member? If you knew that this was your last day on earth, would you finally follow through in committing your life 100% to God and quit being a part-time Christian? If you knew this was your last day on earth, would you follow through with Jesus' commandment to be baptised those of you who haven't? If you knew this was your last day on earth, would you not heal the relationship with someone that maybe you're angry with or someone you've hurt or who have hurt you? Would you not spend a little more time talking with the children or grandchildren about Jesus? Would you not spend a little more time talking with God in prayer? If you knew this was your last day on earth, would you not tell your neighbour or co-worker or friend about the saving grace of Jesus, about his love for them and this offer of a new life, of the life that God wanted for us? if you knew that right now would be your last chance to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, would you take it? Would you? Or would you take your, your chances? That would be another chance. If you've answered yes in your mind's eye to any of these questions, then I'd urge you to respond today To God, not to me, or anyone else here, but to God. Because right now, today, (laughs) this very moment is really important in that decision-making process. I wonder if you've answered yes to any of those questions. As we all remain, sorry, as you all remain, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, would you put up a hand? so that I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, your church, pray for those who have responded to your call By your spirit, confirm your presence in each of those who have responded this morning. Thank you for your love for mankind which caused you to sacrifice your son to provide the way back to your presence. Thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit that we might know your presence with us day by day. Come Holy Spirit and anoint these people meet their needs where they are, where they sit this morning. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the promises of answered prayers. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Could I ask one further thing of those people who responded? Would you let someone know? Today the, the ministry team will be available to pray with you um, if that would be helpful. and I would recommend that you take up that offer to have prayer. but even over the next coming days, weeks, months, to take up that offer of prayer and support. Being a new Christian, being a recommitter Christian sometimes is tough. The devil keeps poking and prodding and tempting